I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Good morning, Celtics fans. What's going on? Happy Friday, as usual. I'm your boy, Adam Taylor. As usual, I'm joined by my homie, my compadre, my co-host in crime, Mr. Will. We are what's popping, Will. What's good, Adam? It is a fantastic morning. I, I, to be honest, I had a hard time going to sleep, so it's basically it's basically still last night to me. I <laughs> after the game last night, I, I had a hard time getting the adrenaline going, and I woke up even earlier this morning. So it, it's all rolling together, but in the best way possible. So before we even start talking basketball, Greg has texted us both and said that he needs a story of an hilarious coffee incident that delayed this recording. Yes. So, so like I said, I'm, I've been running on adrenaline since the game last night and uh, got up this morning and I was like, all right, let's, let's get this going. Texted you like Adam, what's good. Let's, let, let's get this going. I'm, I fed my dog taco, shout out my dog taco. You know, I got him, I got him fed. I'm like, all right, let me get my coffee and we're good to go. So like, as I'm texting you, I'm also sitting there thinking, man, like, like, what are we like, what's Adam's gonna be the first thing he wants to talk about? Cause there's so many things that we can talk about. And so I'm, I'm starting to kind of, you know, plan out the show in my head and you know the coffee machine that i use it's like uh do you know what an espresso is adam yeah 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 so it's like a little pod thing you put it in and then you put your cup whatever so key element to that is putting the cup underneath the spout so i'm sitting off to the side of the coffee machine and my dog which is like they're all in the same area and i'm sitting there planning out the show okay we're gonna talk about man tatum didn't shoot the ball well, but we're gonna talk about those 13 assists al was awesome Derek white's awesome jalen brown start of that quarter man the the warriors you know steph curry was so in fuego and then we still overcame that and i'm going through almost like a rundown of the show in my head i look over at the coffee machine and i'm like oh man the coffee looks good today wait a minute I shouldn't be seeing the coffee. The coffee goes into the cup. I forgot to put the damn cup underneath the spout. And so it's just flowing directly down onto the <laughs> onto the kitchen counter everywhere. Just the coffee flowing everywhere. I run over, save like maybe two ounces of coffee, and then have to spend the next 10 minutes cleaning up my entire kitchen. I am Celtic brained out. Like You know how some women get pregnancy brain? I got Celtic brain right now. Yo, I, can't, dude, I, can't, like, I can't focus on anything else. Dude, have you ever had one of those pods pop while the machine's running? So it's just coffee grinds everywhere. I have not. Thank God. So I've had that happen a few times and I'm like, oh man. So like, not only do I have to remake the coffee, clean up the mess, but I got the grinds ever. So I feel the pain, but I also... Phil, like, did you make sure that Taco didn't get in, lick any of the coffee up? Because otherwise, you're gonna have a very hyper puppy around you. Oh yeah, yeah. He he was very fo- focused on still eating his food. So because he eats too fast, we have one of those, um, like uh, like food receptacles. It's almost like a maze. So it takes him longer to eat because he has to like you know fish the food out. So he was he was distracted. So I wasn't I wasn't worried about him. Yeah, because otherwise you're gonna have a hyper dog, dude. and he's already hyper. He doesn't. He's if there's one thing that dog does not need, it's uh, it's coffee. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I know you and um I know you and Greg do this on your show, but because we're recording in the morning, coming off the back of an NBA Finals win, not just a win, Oof. game one NBA Finals, we're talking victory, baby. Because that's happened, because we're recording in the morning, I feel like there is. No reason whatsoever why you should not do the morning box score. So, Will, with that, 
why don't you feel free to take it away, brother? Let's do it. NBA Finals Game 1 on the road. Celtics lead 1 to nothing in a best of 7 series. Game 1, Celtics 120 to 108 against the Golden State Warriors. Let's start with the bad guys here. Steph Curry 12 of 25, 7 of 14 from 3. 6 of those 3s come in the first quarter. Goes 6 of 8, only 1-3 over the last 3 quarters. 34 points for him. Andrew Wiggins 8 of 15 from the field, 2 of 7 from 3. He had 20 points. Uh, let's see, Clay Thompson, 15 points, 6 of 14, 3 of 7 from the field. Otto Porter, 4 of 5 from three-point range off the bench. Draymond Green, 2 of 12. Keep that number 12 in mind. We're going to talk about that in a little bit here. 11 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 total points for him. Enough of that. Let's go to the good guys. Let's get the good news from the good guys in here. Let's start with the two guys who I think this game is going to be remembered for. Al Horford, 9 to 12 from the field, 6 of 8, 6 of 8 from three-point range. He's got six rebounds, three assists, 26 points total on the night. His partner in crime, Derek White, 6 of 11, 5 of 8. 5 of 8 for Derek White. 21 points in the night for him to go along with 3 assists. Marcus Smart, 7 of 11. 4 of 7 from 3-point range. 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 18 points. Jalen Brown, who was in fuego. We will talk about his start to the fourth quarter of what really cemented that comeback taking place. 10 of 23. 24 points in the night for him. 7 rebounds, 5 assists. And then Jason Tatum, 3 of 17. Not what you like to see. Still got to win. So remember that because I think that will be big. 12 points in total, 13 assists, 5 rebounds. Celtics take game one on the road, 120 to 108. Adam, there's, you know, I said this to you kind of in our, you know, pre-show setting this up. There's so many different places that we can go with this. So I'm going to allow you to choose the direction we start because I I could talk about anything with this game for, for, for quite a while. Well, let's get Tatum out of the way because I feel like there's a lot of people to praise. And if we can just touch on the Tatum issue, like the Tatum performance and then kind of move past it because everybody's entitled to get weighed down by the expectations. And, you know, sometimes the, the gravity of the situation you find yourself in can be quite overbearing. And I feel like this was part of what kind of got into Tatum's head, you know, being the lead guy on your team, being the one that's expected to, facilitate for everybody to lead the line offensively and to be like an elite def- defender against one of the best offensive teams in the in history of the league. I'm okay with it. I think he was still good defensively. He's fir- like, what was it? 13 assists, 13 assists. Yep. Yeah. we got, you know, like 13 assists. You understand what I'm saying? 13 assists. Look, that, That's a lot. That's it. a lot. It's a lot. It's a minimum of 26 points. Minimum. Yeah, yeah. It's a minimum. And a lot of those were threes, so it was more than that. <laughs> exactly. And um, my, my, my outlook on it is, yeah, he didn't score much, but other guys stepped up and filled the gap. And we were talking about this before we came on the show. Draymond Green, after the game in the press conference, was kind of like, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but like, you know, Derek White, Al Horford, they're not going to get that hot again. Well, that's fair. They're probably not. Jason Tatum's not going to be that cold again and things will balance themselves out in this type of offensive output. We've seen it before. And I said this to you before we started uh, filming as well. Now I'm not going as far as to say that this series is going to go in a similar way, but this felt very much like game one against Brooklyn where Brooklyn kind of had the momentum running through most of that game, you know, like 
And then all of a sudden, the Celtics came and snatched things away from them. Now, I get it. It was a, a buzzer beater in that game. This game, it was more of an onslaught. But it just had that type of feel to it where Boston were always there, no matter what run Golden State went on. Jason Tatum was kicking the rock around. Brown was doing his thing. They were always you know, touching distance, always keeping. And I feel like that was a huge performance in terms of just playmaking and figuring out ways to impact a game when you're not able to impact a game in the way you usually do is the sign of like growth towards that stardom. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what I think you and Greg talked about this maybe a week or two ago, that one of the few problems left with Jason Tatum in his superstar status is that his floor games can be a little bit too low sometimes. And that's what it had the feelings of last night. But when you look at 13 assists, that's finding a way to get it done when your main asset is not working for you. And that's his shot, you know, and and that's the other part is that he had a lot of open shots. So to that Draymond point, yeah, he's pretty, like you said, he's probably right that between Marcus, Derek White and, and Al Horford, they're probably not hitting 15 out of, I think it's like 23 threes. Like that's a, that's an insanely high rate in a, in a very high amount of threes for those three guys to make. So that's probably fair. But also Tatum wasn't just three of 17. If you go back and watch those, he had about four or five different shots where you were like, this is going to be the one that gets him going. You, you almost had a, like a, like a, like an inhale before the shot. And I'm like, all right, this is going to be one that he's going to make. So Jason Tatum, like you said, is also not going to have that game. But having the playmaking that he did last night, zero points in the fourth quarter, but four assists in that, in that quarter, him and JB were the facilitators in that fourth quarter. Like that's one of the crazy things you have between the two of them. We're going to talk about Jalen Brown. I know in a minute, they had, oh, for nine, sure. they had nine assists, nine assists between the two of them in that fourth quarter run. Like, for two guys that have probably the number one criticism has been, other than can they play together, What how do they play off each other, is their playmaking. They had nine assists to close out that game. That's pretty impressive for, for, for two guys that, that get criticized in that department quite a bit. And, you know, you, you kind of mentioned comparing this to the, to the Brooklyn series. Two things stood out to me in that comparison. Number one, like you said, there's kind of a gut punch in the runs. Like, you think about what Steph Curry did in the first quarter last night where, you know, I, I, I can't lie when Steph gets hot like that, that you got to get worried a little bit, right? You got to think like, Oh man, this is one of those like 50 burgers and he's going to have, you know, 11 threes, but in the night now, part of that was our, our defense had not adjusted from, from the Miami series to the Warriors <laughs> series. Marcus was, they had a great, my, uh, great wired up clip with him where he was like, guys, this is not, not the Miami, Miami series. And they adjusted very well after that. And he wasn't getting the oceans of space that he had, you know, to, to shoot in that, in that first quarter. But he kind of gave you that gut punch with six threes, 21 points in the first quarter. You think back to that Brooklyn series game one, Kyrie went atomic, but it was in the fourth quarter. And so it gave them the lead. So I think it was just kind of different times. But, and while the Warriors have a much, I have to stress this, a much better defense than the Brooklyn Nets, like, like that can't be stated enough. Like, their defense, I, I don't want to besmirch the Warriors' defense and say they're like the Nets, but it, it's, we're not, we're out of the woods, out of that physicality, right? So it's just a very different brand of basketball. And it felt like the shots are more available last night. Like, like they were, the Celtics could get more looks, whereas against the Heat and against the Bucks, Man, you're you, you kind of want to pry your eyes out watching each 24 seconds down, you know, down and back on on each side of the court. Like it's just really tough to watch. This game was was enjoyable, like number one, but number two, from a Celtics perspective, 
they just were able to get more of the shots that we're accustomed to seeing them get on a, a day-to-day basis throughout the season. And I think that's, you know, you're going to see that in, in their offense, they're, they're going to feel a lot more comfortable. I think that's, that's probably the best word for it. It was a lot easier to be comfortable because Miami and Milwaukee, they play so physical. It's really, it's really easy to be uncomfortable in those, in those situations. Yeah, and then against Golden State, you're the team that's making them uncomfortable with the physicality. Outside of Draymond Green and Looney, I don't think they've got anyone that can really bang up the same way the Celtics can one quick, through. Quick eight. question for you, Adam. And I don't want to go too much on this. I know there's other guys on the Celtics roster we have to hit. Greg and I last night, after we did the playback room and, and, and did a podcast for our show, we we were we were stunned. We kept waiting for Kevon Looney to come back in the game or to get more playing time down the stretch because I thought he was very very effective. I think he had six offensive rebounds and five assists. Now Kevon Looney is not known as a big assist guy, but I think you can you can read into what those six offensive rebounds turned into if Kevon Looney has five assists. And there was a part of you know parts of the first half and then certainly in that third quarter where even if he wasn't getting the offensive rebound, he was just he was mucking it up. The one one of the few guys that can really kind of cause problems. And I kept waiting for Steve Kerr to go back to Looney and and he seemed to prefer going with the Draymond and either Otto Porter or Iguodala, you know, front court down the stretch. Were you surprised at all by that? Because it, it, it really threw me off that we didn't see much of him late in the third into the fourth. Yeah, so late in the third, I was kind of like, well, you don't mess with a winning formula. Like, they're, mm-hmm. they're on a run. Everything's falling. Like, they're kind of carving Boston apart a little bit. So it made sense not to put Looney back in because everything's coming up like aces right now. In the fourth, I feel like, you know, if you haven't started with Looney and then that run goes on, then you probably should try and bring him in just to kind of match some physicality, just to try and, you know, give you a little bit more of an edge on the boards. But at the same time, you need to run with a high-octane offense that's going to be able to get the best out of Steph, that's going to be able to get the best out of Clay. And sometimes going small is just what the Warriors do. It's what makes them so deadly. Um, I know they've got a name for that lineup they were running, and I can't remember uh, what it is. I feel like they've called it either the pool party or Fast Five or something like that. They, they've got yeah, I'm, I'm sure I heard someone call it the liquid death lineup. And I'm like, <laughs> because it's so fluid, right? Yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. Like, yeah, like... You know, anything you want to call it, I feel like they feel that the Warriors feel confident in that group being able to just generate easy freeze, generate easy offense, you know, stretch guys out and be able to attack the seams. Now, as you said, having Looney there to attack the glass, because I do think that Boston, one of the Celtics' biggest weaknesses, regardless, is the defensive glass. They give up a lot of offensive rebounds. And in that third quarter, especially one of the biggest things that, golden state were doing successfully was having guys cutting off the corners corner crashing and then they were finding guys who were coming in after corners for stop and pops or they'd come in and get the board and then we kick it back out putting looney there makes a bunch of sense so i was a bit confused as to why he wasn't playing but at the same time like i wasn't too upset about it because boston were winning and you oh, know. oh! I wasn't upset. I was confused for Warriors. Yeah, oh, for, for the sure, Warriors, dude. I was very because yeah. it was it was funny, Adam, on the on the playback, especially. I forget at what point exactly, but you know, at, at different points, Greg and I kept saying, "All right, looks like they're probably going to bring Looney back," and we were about zero for four on that on that call. We kept saying it every time we thought there was an opportunity for them to to bring him back in, and it, it just didn't happen. You know, I know he played a a, a few spurts, but I, I was I was really surprised that they didn't lean into that advantage, which is something I had called out in kind of our preview pod that I was a, a little bit worried about because of what this team can do to capitalize on those second chances. But 
you know, having said that, let's go, let's go back to the, to the Celtics here for a minute. It, do we want to go to the Al and Derek show or do we want to go to Jalen Brown? Cause I think all, all of these guys, and even and Marcus Smart's got to be in that mix too. I feel like I'm, you know, just leaving him out here. Where, where do you want to go next, Adam? Let's go to Derek White because I feel like that dude, like Al Horford's been getting praise all season, right? Yeah. Derek, Derek White, on the other hand, has had a lot of question marks over him. Some people feel like it was an overpay. Some people feel like he just hasn't shown enough. Well, guess what? Since midway through that Miami series, the real Derek White has stood up. So it's time that we give, you know, that it's that, it's that dad version of Derek White. It's Derek White the dad. Yeah, Greg, uh, Greg, Greg's been calling it bump transference. He's got the bump transference from his wife, got that good mojo ever since the baby was born. And, you know, he's getting that, that Fred Van Vliet playoff bump right now. Mr. Hendricks affected. I don't know what that is, but yeah, let's roll with it. I don't know either, but you know, and then the baby Hendricks. Oh, that's right, right. Sorry, threw me off there for a second. The it has the Hendricks effect. effect. I, uh, yeah, I don't. I, know. Thought, I thought you were talking about something like scientific for a second. I was like, oh man, I must have been asleep during that during that class. Did not <laughs> did not know what you were referring to. Maybe I mean maybe yeah. I'm just like Jimi Hendrix was dope. Well, that's what I was, I was thinking. Maybe it referred to something like that. Anyways, we're getting we're getting way off topic. <laughs> we're just trying White. to figure this out as we go. Derek White, the Hendrick effect, the baby, you know, bump transference, the the playoff baby bump, whatever you want to call it. This man has been special over the last, you know, since probably what game three or game four of that Miami series all the way through last night. And I, I think the biggest part of, of Derek White, number one, it's very easy to tell early on how I think he's going to play offensively. It's just, is he playing with confidence? And it's not always, does the shot go in? It's, you know, does he feel confident enough to get into the lane? Or if he gets an open three, is he willing to let it fly? And not always are the shots going to go in, but we've talked about this before. One of my favorite parts about Derek White, he seems to always make the right decision. I love when he's on the court because I trust that when he gets the ball, the, the right decision is going to happen. Will it work out? I don't know. Like this is kind of that's, this gets back to an old Brad Stevens thing where I'm kind of ripping off the Sixers here, but like you trust the process, right? The, the results will come if the process is there. And Derek White's process to me is is always on point most of the time. Like there's very few instances where where I don't trust Derek White to make the correct decision. And when he's playing with confidence, that only adds to it. You know, of course he got super hot last night, but but you look at this game. And, you know, going into the fourth, I was looking at it like, man, the, the Jays really got to kind of step up because all the role guys are doing their are doing their thing right now. The role guys are, are getting it done for us. They're giving us what we need to come in and steal game one. And Derek White, I think, was the guy that I would look at. Maybe him and Marcus Smart that from tip all the way through the end of the game. Those guys played played a great game. There really wasn't a moment that you could look at with the two of them where you were like, yeah, they were great except for for that stretch here or there or it took them a little bit to get adjusted to, you know, playing in the finals. And and you need you need that rock steady balance. If you're going to be able to to make a comeback like the Celtics did last night, somebody's got to keep you afloat. Somebody's got to keep you you nice and steady so that you can have that opportunity. Derek White was that guy last night. I, I can't say enough about how important he's been to this team. There was a point, especially in the first quarter, where it felt like the Celtics just couldn't get penetration, right? It just felt that way. It, everything was kind of perimeter actions. Uh, well, they couldn't of, get it, or they just they just weren't they weren't going to the hoop. Like, yeah, I, like, I think they could have got it, but yeah, exactly. I mean, I think Andrew Wiggins did a really good job of uh, shutting down. They do have good perimeter. Yeah, I don't want to say that it's 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 open season, but yeah, I get your point. 
but then you throw Derek White in there and all of a sudden there's driving kicks. All of a sudden there's, um, you know, rim pressure coming from places. Rob Williams starts kind of getting a bit of vertical spacing. And I know that it weren't White that was throwing those passes, but White kind of set that tone. Like, yo, if you put the ball on the floor and drop that shoulder, you're going to get into the paint, guys. Like, well, this isn't Miami. This isn't <laughs> Milwaukee. Like, it's there for the taking. And I feel like once that happened, the offense started to flow a bit more. The rotations on the perimeter started to become a little bit more crisp. And then all of a sudden, White finds out that, hey, I can shoot the ball. Like, suddenly, the monsters have gave me my talent back, and I'm hitting threes. And now all of a sudden, Derek White looks like the best pickup, period, at the trade deadline. Because you're like, dude, man, the impact this guy's had since midway through that Miami series, all the way through to the end of game one, He's been such an integral piece off the bench. And honestly, I just don't know if you could ask for any more. You know, the defense is solid. The playmaking solid. Did you said the decision making is perfect? I remember Brad Stevens saying before, the basketball gods always reward um, making the right play over and over. When you play the, rec- the right way, shots find a way of falling is what Brad Stevens used to say. Emei Odoka is more along the lines of, what are you doing? sort yourself out and make it work. And like, you know, it's one's metaphorical ones, but far more straight down the middle. Both are working. Both have worked. Um, Derek White is the perfect six man on this team. And he's proving that at the moment consistently yeah, it, now. And I want to just touch on a point that you just made about Ime and Brad, because I was thinking this last night. It's kind of funny because the their their, their presentations are, are are very different as far as Ime's like, I'm going to tell you straight up how I feel and what I feel. And I, and I just said it in the locker room. I'm, I'm going to say it both ways. Like, I'm me. This is what's going to happen. Brad's a little bit more obviously politician-like, right? He's going to give you these answers where he's like, no, like handling it internally. We're not going to say anything. But when you look at their, like, their, their stoicism almost, like their their demeanor, not too high, not too low. You rarely see them like like they have like similar similar but different demeanors that don't waver all that often, right? And they both have typically in in an undenying belief in whatever it is that they were doing as coaches, and where in different ways they both were saying, if you follow my process, the results will come. But they just did it in different manners. But it's interesting to see how similar they are, even though they do it in very different styles. That's just something that I feel like I'm starting to notice more as we go deeper into this playoff run. Bro, if I was the head coach of the Celtics last night and I was in that press conference and they're like, how do you feel about the game? Top of my voice, I would have been dancing on the table screaming Celtics in four. (laughs) There'd be none of this keeping it calm. None of this, like... Yeah, yeah, you know, on to the next one. Watch he is a man on a mission. He is focused, laser yeah. focused. Laser focused. He's like, yo, these other teams turn me down. I'm going to win a chip in my first season. Show y'all what you made a mistake. I love it, man. Honestly, like, I understand I was quite vocal about Udoka at the beginning of the year. I understand that's that. I, that's what I I'll, I'll put myself on this. So I want to make sure you you're know, not alone think, out here. <laughs> I think, you know, there was a lot of people that expected, and I, I even wrote about this, just expecting too much too soon, you know? And I definitely fell into that camp. But man, if I'm not a full, fully-fledged Doka like, supporter, if I'm not in that camp right now, flying that flag, then I don't know who is, man, because at the minute I'm just like, this dude can do no wrong. And... Like we can move on to Al Horford now, like or in a moment, because I think that you go in terms of leadership, it goes Udoka, Al. Yeah, he's that veteran presence. He's he's that 
You know, and, and like we said, we, we were calling him, what, Animated Al. We had all these different nicknames for what him. What was the like, one I had? Uh, I was just trying to remember. That. It was it, it fit in with, um, what was it? I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll think of it here It'll in a come minute. Back. But, but, you know, man, it, it, let's just take, like, the X's and O's in basketball out of it for a second. How good did it feel just to see a guy who had the record for the most career playoff games without playing in the NBA Finals up until this most recent Game 7 and getting to play in his first ever NBA Finals last night. And he plays the way he does, especially down the stretch where my man is is doing his best Clay Thompson impression left and right, just knocking down, <laughs> just knocking down threes in his building. Like, man, that just put such a massive smile on my face. And at one point they had that close up where he kind of gives like the wink to the camera or, or maybe it's a kiss. A blow, blows the kiss. Maybe it's still like his family or something. Probably wasn't to the camera. It's more probably to his family and they caught it on camera, but it, it it just honestly, man, it 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 gave me the the good warm feels inside. I can't lie. I just I I feel so as happy as I am just for myself individually as a fan. I feel so happy for Al Horford, man. This guy has been an absolute rock for this team. I loved him here. I was really I was so devastated to see him go when he left for Philly. I understood everything that that went into it, but him coming back and and I will I will say this. I remember specifically. I think it was right after we were eliminated by Brooklyn last year. Me, you, and Greg did a three-man weave. And we had both – we had all three of us, I think, probably been kind of circling this idea of, like – because we knew we were going to lose that series, right? Jalen was hurt. Kemba was hurt. Rob was hurt. Either way, we, it just wasn't going to be our season for it. And I think we had all been circling, man. We know we got to get – as much as Kemba's a great guy, we know we got to get out of this. And I know it was, I think it might've been the very first podcast, either right after the season ended or, you know, right as that game ended game five, or it was like the first podcast after. And we brought it up. We were like, is it too early to talk about a Kemba for Al swap? Lo and behold, president Brad Stevens makes all of our dreams come true. And I'm so thankful for you, president Brad. Thank you for your service. So on the last episode of the podcast, if we're talking about like, things that we've discussed previously and i do remember that recording to be fair i think all three of us in the end were just like it makes sense yeah i think one person mentioned it and we were all like i was thinking it too it was like, it was like way too early to be thinking about it but we had all done the math we had all seen like you it know made what? sense like, bro it was just like this is a better fit it's just a better fit like it's it, it is what it is and, and look at where we are now so we talked about this on the last episode where it was like who's under more pressure coming in tatum or Steph, right? The, my response was, I think it's Steph because I think Steph is, you know, you don't know how many more times he's going to get to the finals. I also said that that's a reason why they're going to come out hot and they're going to really put put pressure on. What we never thought of, or what I never thought of, or I don't remember saying this, was that's the same for Al Horford. Al Horford, has, it's took him until now to get to the finals. He might never get back. He's going to play the way he played in game one, every single game until the wheels fall off because this is it's his chance. He's been with Boston. He's watched these guys grow. He's nurtured them in, in terms of like showing them the, the way to be a professional, how to take care of your body, how to conduct yourself as a teammate. And then he goes away, lets them kind of learn who they are without him, comes back and is like, right, then now we're going to get to work. And the way he performed was an elite veteran presence. And I feel like, and again, this is, it's not really a hot take, but his impact on Boston, he is Boston's version of Iguodola. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? But obviously more durable. But, but yeah, exactly. And, and just, it's yeah, just more durable. That's a good way to put it. And then I just think that, you know, the way he played, the rebounding, the passing, the the spacing. I think Steph said one of the things that they were re- like really gave Golden State issues was our spacing the whole game. Yep. He wasn't clogging the lanes. He was out on the fight, like out on the perimeter. They were running a lot of five out or four out one in if Rob Williams was there just at the dunker just to keep somebody occupied. And that's really tough, man. There's one thing having Al Horford space in the floor when he's not hitting freeze. It's a completely different one when he is because you saw the way Golden State was guarding. They was making sure that they were um, focused on Tatum and Brown. They had to sag off somebody to be able to load up the uh, whatever side Tatum and Brown are occupying. And they started leaving Horford with a bit of room and Horford started punishing them. So they start guarding Horford. But now they're sagging off Derek White. Now Derek White's punishing them. All of a sudden, you've just stretched them so far. And what happens when you stretch something too far? It implodes, man. And then, all of, then Jalen Brown's just like, hold my beer. Yeah, and that yeah. was how it went. And, and I think that's a great transition Let's to, to Jalen Brown, who, you know, the third quarter was rough, right? The third quarter was, it wasn't our best quarter. Let's just, we can say that. I think that, that's pretty fair. And, you know, left us in a 12-point hole going into the fourth quarter. And, you know, I looked around and I was trying to think of, okay, what is the narrative of this game entering the fourth quarter? And you'd look at all the role guys. Like I said, I said this earlier in the, in the show, they were doing their job. You had to look at kind of the Jay stat line, and we're like, it's just not good enough going into the fourth. You know, Tatum Tatum didn't didn't score, so I don't I don't remember how what he might have been three of fourteen, but you know he had those twelve points, he had nine assists going into the going into the fourth, which is nice, but it, it just wasn't enough at that time. Jalen Brown, you know, he he was also not shooting the ball slightly better, but not much better at the time. Had zero assists and four turnovers, and you just looked at that and you were like, this is this is kind of coming down on the Jays right now, going into this fourth quarter. And then let me read this for you, Adam, here. I did this with with Greg last night. So we start the fourth quarter down 92 to 80. Here are the Celtics' next six six made field goals. Jalen Brown, step-back jump shot. Jalen Brown, three-point pull-up jump shot. Robert Williams, alley-oop dunk, assisted by Jalen Brown. Peyton Pritchard, layup, assisted by Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown, three-point shot. Jalen Brown, driving layup. Score is now 97-94 with 7.38 to go. Jalen Brown was phenomenal in the first four minutes of that of that fourth quarter. And in that one stretch, and nobody gets hotter in stretches than Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown seemingly does everything in bunches. When Jalen Brown gets going, or sometimes, you know, conversely, when it goes wrong, it does tend to happen in bunches. It, it, it all comes at once. But last night, it was the epitome of, we, you know, Jason Tatum's not having the Jason Tatum scoring night that we need. And Jalen Brown stepped up to say, I'm going to get us back in this game. And he did it with his playmaking too. And I think that's the crazy part. He had zero assists, Adam, going into the fourth quarter. Zero. He had five in the fourth quarter. It was just a tremendous, you know, it, and it was it was a tremendous all-around quarter from Jalen Brown, especially after once Derek White and now Horford started to get hot. He didn't force it. That's what some one of the things you do have to worry about sometimes is it's a little bit, you know, when the Celtics get a little bit more complacent of like, yo, it's my turn. Look at me. I'm cooking. And it's like, okay, but we, we still want to work within the flow of our offense because that's what's getting us back into this. And that didn't happen last night. And so to see Jalen Brown have the stretch that he did to get the lead down from, from 12 to three by making five straight plays.
and you know and, and being selfless thereafter to help the Celtics continue to grow that lead. I was very very impressed with that fourth quarter from Jalen Brown last night. So to start the game, I was very concerned with Jalen Brown. His dribble looked awful. Um, he looked like he was playing on a floor that had been smothered in butter for a lot of it. Um, you know, just sliding everywhere, just looked over, over, overzealous would probably be the way to say it. Like, I felt like Tatum was overthinking the game and Brown wasn't thinking the game enough. And then suddenly, as you say, you're entering the fourth, you're down quite after quite a bit of a, a butt kicking. And then Brown's just like, it's that hold my beer moment. And then everything just clicks and you start seeing what, next season's Jalen Brown's going to look like and what he's capable of when everything clicks for him. That The pull-up shooting, the scoring off the dribble, you said it. I mean, the thing is, I don't think anybody on the Warriors can contain Jalen Brown's explosiveness when he gets towards the rim as well. So they have to account for that. And that forces guys to kind of pre-rotate and it just really messes the defense up when Jalen Brown's got it cooking. I'm not sure whether he can sustain that performance at the moment. I think over time, that's going to be what we see from Jalen Brown like as he's approaching his prime, and that's going to be the Jalen Brown we get. Um, but for me, all the talk of, hey, you need Jalen and Jason to be able to play together. You need them one to step up when the other one's not doing so great. Paul Pierce said this midway through the season, he was like, when you have two stars, one has to take the like the B position, the Robin position, but be willing to step into the Batman position when Batman isn't playing well. And that's exactly what happened. That's what a, a star tandem is meant to do. Oh, well, JT ain't got it cooking on like on offense right now. Okay, so JT, you go back to being, you take the Robin role tonight. I'm going to be Batman. Let me, I got this. It's that blue streak. Um, you know, I, I always reference, I got this. It's that type of mentality. And they just switched roles. And I think that Tatum played that secondary role yep. to perfection. Yeah. You know, he, I thought, you know, I thought he, they were both extremely selfless last night, especially yeah. when it comes down the stretch, because neither of them were, were the ones taking the shots. They were the ones doling out the assists when you look through, you know, I'm looking through the play-by-play in the, in the shot chart, he, shot chart here, like shot chat. I know I, I dropped that for you there. <laughs> looking at the shot chat here. It looks like there's no Tatum. There's no Brown. It's this, it's this white guy and smart and Horford's down there doing his thing. Uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's pretty cool to see it. Nah, but for real, like it, it, it really is very little of them shooting the I ball in the last six minutes. There's, I think, I think, I think I'm looking at this as one, I think maybe one Jalen Brown shot in the last six minutes. All the rest is them assisting to Derek White, Al Horford, and Marcus Smart. So, you know, like I said, for two guys who one of their biggest criticisms collectively is usually their playmaking. Pretty impressive to have nine assists in the fourth quarter last night and and play just a very different role for your team, knowing that, you know, in other parts of the series, you're going to go back to being the guys that get the shots, the guys that need to make the shots. But being able to have to show that you have this in your bag to bust out when needed, it's it's really impressive. And if you're a Warriors fan, you know, going back to that Draymond point, like take that into consideration because that's scary as well. And obviously, you know, when the shots are, are falling like they are last night and you shoot, you know, 51%, like like the world goes round when you make threes, right? Like <laughs> when the when the whole team is making threes, the world goes round, everybody's happy, everybody's stats look good. Like, you know, like like so it is like a little bit inflated to Draymond's point, but 
those guys being willing to make those passes, those guys willing not to be, you know, selfish. And, and, you know, Celtics only had what I think 12 turnovers last night. Like that's kind of their magic number. If they can keep it under that 12, 13 mark, that's when the Celtics are going to be super successful when they get sloppy and it starts to get 15, 16, 17, 18, up into, you know, I don't even want to get to the twenties, you know, like when it starts getting to that range, that's when the Celtics kill themselves. But if they can if they can win the three point line, which I don't expect that to happen every game, but if they can at least win or, or keep the the turnover battle even in this range, it's like there's a lot of bad signs. Like to the, the counterpoint to Draymond, there's a lot of other bad signs here other than just Derek White, Marcus Smart, and and Al Horford getting hot that you also need to consider are probably not going to repeat themselves. Look, coming into this game, if I'd said to you that Tatum and Brian kind of became playmakers and facilitators more than scorers. You would have thought the team lost. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, so Tatum barely scores. Brown has stretches, but to be fair, most most of the end of the fourth is them two setting dudes up. You're like, yeah, you're like, well, whose idea was that? Then oh, by, oh, 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 by the way, Steph Curry is going to have a quarter where he hits six threes. How do you feel about your chances? Yeah. And then be like, well, not very good. And then you're like, well, joke's on you because they won, bruh. Like, by 12. <laughs> With enough time to put garbage guys minutes out there for 48 seconds. And it was, like, you know, so, so Greg and I joked about this last night. I, it was the perfect lead amount for this team in the fourth quarter where they couldn't let up. They couldn't go into to clock management mode. And so, uh, you know, you, you see this, the, the, the back of the bench only plays 48 seconds. So, you know, they, they had to keep pressing because they were coming, they were making the comeback. And so they still were just kind of all gas. Like they, they, they didn't have a chance to pull back and say, oh, hey, we need to start slowing things down and wasting time. They didn't have that opportunity last night. The lead never got big enough. They still had all the momentum from, from the comeback going. So may, may, maybe that unlocks something what we need in these late games when we, we start to to kind of give it away to the other team. Maybe we just need to keep it not a, not a 10, 12 point lead, but let's 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 keep it right at about a six, eight point lead. Maybe maybe that's what we need so that we we keep the momentum on our side. Tatum said this in uh in his post game press, and they were like, "Oh, so you know, you spoke about before after a win, you guys kind of take your foot off the gas, and then so you're susceptible to getting a punch in the mouth." Like, and Tatum's like. Yeah, but like it's different this time because we won game one, so we know they're going to come out and chase game two, and it's our job to kind of hold them down, basically keep them at arm's length, go back to Boston with a two-zip lead. I'm like, Tatum's usually just like, yeah, you know, we'll go and watch film, we'll get better. But he's like, no, we understand that we would be seething right now and we would want to come out and really throw guns blazing and jump out to an early lead and dominate. He's like, so that's what we're going to do. If that's what we would do, that's what they're going to do. I mean, that's saying the right things. We'll we'll have to see. You know, yeah. I, I feel like at different points in this in this playoff run, the Celtics have, have said kind of the right things, but then when but they got in the it. moment, it took them a minute to be like, wait a minute, what, it's, but it's, we're halfway is, through right? the second quarter. What do we say all all post game? Like, we got to get back to that. The difference is the two teams that came out and kind of pr- like put them on their on their butts. You know, kind of not gave them a big haymaker early. Would very physical teams. Yeah. I just don't think that the Celtics are scared by the Warriors trying to penetrate. They're scared on the perimeter. They're like, oh, you know, you got Corey, you got Paul, you got, um, you got, Clay. You got Clay. And then you got Porter probably hit some. Iguodala, Iguodala can come in and hit a few. But if you're trying to get to the to the paint or if you're trying to like really rough us up, we're not scared, dude. We're bigger, we're stronger, yeah. we're faster. 
like I, I just feel like this this series is where we're gonna see the better version of the Celtics. We're gonna see more of what we saw in the first round in this series than what we did see in see in the second round. And yeah. I'm not saying it's a four. I'm not saying it's a sweep. I'm saying. The style of play. You want to get, get real spicy here, Adam? You try to you try to get real spicy? No, 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 no. I am not. You sure, I'm Adam? Not saying it's a sweet. Hey, what man, I am hey saying, man, is, if you want to put your chest out, put your chest out. No, what I'm saying is <laughs> that we're seeing more of a free flow game, and I think that suits Boston due to their ability to pressure the rim and to kind of back guys away a little bit. Defensively, they need to figure out their perimeter rotations. Like um, there was a big adjustment. Um, Rob was guarding the pick and roll when it was Steph, so Robert switched onto Steph, but Robert switch and drop a little bit because he didn't yeah. want Steph to get him on his hip, right? Steph was just pulling up and draining him in his face. Too much he made switches it round. All of a sudden, you got Horford guarding that pick and roll. Horford's giving Steph. No, he isn't getting a chance to he, come. He was fantastic in in, yeah. in those pick and roll situations where, where he was where he was hedging away. on him. Yeah. And that's what you need to do. You need to not give these guys any space. Like Steph's going to Steph. That's the way it is. Steph will Steph. He will score with him. Him, Clay, and Poole are going to have moments where you just tip your. I don't know if we talked about this on air or this is before, but we were saying there's a couple shots where Clay just hits it in motion, coming around, you know, on on the right side wing, flying off and catching in one motion and firing a shot with a contest. He's going to hit a couple of those, and you just have to tip your cap because those you can live with. What you can't live with is if you think back to that first quarter when the ESPN crew can highlight just like a, a radius of five feet of space all around Steph Curry and there's no one in his way, That's that you can't it. tolerate. You can't live with that. That's what you can't give up and live with. The, the ones where where Steph is, is off the dribble, you know, going, you know, inside and out, kind of weaving around, you know, 30-something, 30 33 feet from the basket and then ends up getting just enough space to hit a step back near the logo. What are you going to do? If he hits that, he hits that. He's that great that he will probably hit a few of those, but you can't give the easy one. And the easy ones are ones that are just those mental mistakes, which you pointed out. And, and you know, Marcus Smart was right on it. I, I think usually the the wired up, mic'd up sounds are usually, you know, so basic that they, they, there's not much to it. Like I could probably pre-record a bunch of them. Get back, get back. Got to keep fighting. Got to keep fighting. Move the ball. Move the ball. We got this. Like, it's basically, that's usually what all the mic'd ups are. Just, just loop that. And you can go ahead and throw that into most games. But Marcus said exactly what you're talking about. And he was saying, you know, he was in the huddle saying, guys, this isn't Miami. Like, we have to like we, we can't go right into the drop. You have to step up and then make sure that the, the recovery is there before you start to drop because you have to make sure that Steph feels you. And I think, you know, Al Horford came in and did a did a fantastic job of that from about middle of the second quarter on, anytime that he had that opportunity. So Yeah, and it Celtics shows right? adjust. because yeah. Steph struggled to score in the second quarter after that big first. And then like I, I wanna finish with this because we haven't seen the Warriors play their very very best i think we're going to see that in game two i think the warriors play close to their best but it wasn't their very very best and we haven't seen boston play at their very very best but i want to keep a running kind of prediction going so we can see how our opinions change episode to episode game to game so where would you have this series reaching its conclusion right now how many games and who wins i mean i i still have celtics in seven I, I haven't wavered on that, and part of that for me is, like, th this team isn't going to be phased by losing this game. 
I'm talking about the Warriors, that is. Like, yeah, they're not bothered. And, and, and I will say, you know, the, the Celtics last night were very resilient because I did think in the first, you know, three to four minutes of the game, it wasn't for a super long stretch, but you talked about Tatum having probably too many nerves and, and maybe Jalen not having enough nerves to, <laughs> to, to, to kind of start the game. But for the first couple of possessions of that game, it looked like one team had been here before and one team had not been here before. Yeah, for sure. And so, and, and so I did think that that stood out. And and I think when you look at this, this Warriors team, you know, I mentioned it, like, I, like, I think, I think Kerr is going to make adjustments. And this is, this is an interesting part of this clash of styles. The Celtics have basically eight guys, let's say nine, eight to eight and a half to nine guys. That's all that's playing. You know, the rest of the, the end of our bench from Neesmith down, like y'all can suit up, but in, unless we get a horrific run of injuries, there's zero chance y'all are seeing the court until this game is decided one way or the other. Like just nothing happening. Whereas on the Warriors side, and you can look at that as obviously a benefit. We know who we are. We know who's playing. We know what, what our rotations are, how we mix it up within that group. On the flip side, you know, the Warriors do have some moves to make, right? Like they can play Looney more. We didn't really see, we didn't see Jonathan Kaminga last night. We didn't see Moses Moody last night. Those are guys that in, in past series, Steve Kerr has been able to plug in and, and give you a spark. You know, we'll see what with Gary Payton, you know, from if he can play defensively, he's absolutely he's somebody you, you, Greg and I talked about, like he's somebody that can, that can give trouble. So, you know, I, I think the Warriors have moves to make how they do it. One thing they can't do is grow. So I do think the height advantage is always going to be, you know, a, a bit of an issue, but I think you'll see Looney a little bit more, but, but I think the Warriors, you know, I, I, I still can't see uh, six games is becoming more on the table for the Celtics, but, but I still think this is going to be a back and forth series with, you know, not too many times you're going to see teams win multiple games in a row. Um, so I think it's big Celtics. Celtics got this first one, had to get one of these two on the road, but I'm, I'm sticking with my Celtics in seven for now. Where, where are you at, Adam? So I had Celtics in six coming into the series. I'm sticking on Celtics with six. You know, my opinion will drastically change if they win game two. Um, yeah, I'll have to change mine as well. I mean, I think I think that's a you know it's a different ball game at that point. But this is the Warriors, man. Like you, yeah. like I, I'm not going to feel comfortable even if it's a free zip lead Celtics. You know, what I mean, it's it, they're just too good, too talented, yeah. too experienced. What is it? 123 NBA Finals games between them against Insane. a team with zero, zero. With one, one now. Well, one or, now, yeah. Or, so it's 124 yeah. to one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's just, this is going to be one of those where it's not over till it's over. And no yeah. matter how good the Celtics comeback was in game four, the Warriors showed that they can create that separation in that third quarter. They showed that Steph can just turn Super Saiyan at the drop of a hat in that first quarter. And when you were saying like, you know, these guys are all going to have their moments. And the most important thing is those moments cannot win you a game if you keep some separation between you and them and all that, but they are demoralizing. They are like, what have I got to do? What do I need to do to stop you? Whereas realistically, it's just going to be, yeah, it's Steph. Yeah. It's clay. Yeah. It's Jordan Paul. They hit a wild free call. Let's go down the other end, get a few back. And I think if they can keep the Celtics can keep that next possession mentality and really lean into the fact that they've come through some super physical series and now it's time to gut check the Warriors and be like, right, then we're going to take, you know, we're going to put you in the trenches. We're going to really see what you can do. I was expecting them to do that in game one. I was expecting Boston to really yeah. be like, yo, you're going to have to deal with our physicality. Let's see what you can do. And it didn't really happen. It didn't need to happen. 
But I think if the Warriors do get ahead by like 15 to 18 points early, we're going to see Boston turn into some body drive basketball, some old school, you know, elbows flying, like a post-up playmaking. And I'm really curious to see how that kind of affects Golden State. So I'm sticking with Boston in six. Uh, I'm expecting them to split this this um, first two games. So I wouldn't be shocked if the Warriors win game two. And then we'll go from there, man. We'll go from yeah. there. But at the moment, I mean, they, 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 they did their job, right? Like I, like, I hope they don't feel this way. But, like, in reality, getting a split is what you absolutely have to do in this scenario. And they've done that. Now, let's see what that killer instinct looks like. Because if you steal two games on the road, I, I have to look it up. But stealing two games on the road does not typically bode well for a team making a comeback. So, you know, it, we'll have to see what happens here in game two. They're saying the right things. We'll see what mentality they come out with, but huge night for Celtics fans everywhere. It unbelievable feeling. We're here. We're three games away. Let's keep it rocking. Three more wins. Three more wins. As usual, if you enjoyed the show, make sure to share it on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, ready. Create your own social media. Share it there. No one will see it, but it'll be dope that you did so. Uh, Leave those five-star reviews. We had a new one the other day. It made me feel really good. Anything else you want to say, great. If you're not going to leave a five-star review because you've got an issue with anything we spoke about or maybe you're not happy with the sound Wait, hold on, or... hold on, hold on. Real quick, Adam. Happy birthday, Al Horford. June happy 3rd birthday, is Al Horford's Al. birthday. What a birthday gift. Your first NBA Finals victory. You knocked down six threes. Shout out to Uncle Al, animated Al. Happy birthday, Al Horford. I really wish I could remember the nickname I gave him. We'll listen back to it. We'll get it. We'll get it. We'll get there. We'll get there. Please leave those five-star reviews. Word of mouth helps a bunch as well. Tell your Doug Walker, your yacht salesman, your Celtics pro shop friends, anybody you want to go drinking with today to celebrate, make sure you tell them to. Better yet, let me know. We could get some stickers made. You could put them up around town. You know, we can make it happen. Some balloons to let off at the championship parade, which is definitely on its way. Until then, you will catch us again on Monday. Be safe. Enjoy Sunday's game because we will be enjoying that game and we will see you. Sorry. We will speak to you soon. Will, it's always a pleasure, brother. Been real, my guy. Game two. Let's get it. Ain't disrespecting you haters. I ain't sweating your opinion. Y'all been testing my patience. Never did it for a check. I've been impressed with the famous. Just rather be creative than stressing my wages. Ageless every time I lay a verse down. One play at a time. Keep it moving like a first down. And at the end of the day, I can say that I made this. MJ never made it to the majors. Still, he chased greatness. Expected that he might fail. And I might too. I might never get to pop champagne. Celebrating with the crew. 